Hi, and welcome to episode four of the Saxophone Academy podcast. I'm Dr. Wally Wallace, and on this week's episode, I chat with my co-host and internationally recognized concert saxophonist, Susan Fancher. And this week, we chat about reeds, why yours are bad, how to make them better. We talk about gigging, specifically, how to choose a gig, which to turn down, and which ones you might want to take. We check out a recording by the H2 Quartet, and we answer listener questions. Apologies in advance, I had a horrible cold this week, and my voice is very annoying. Sorry about that. But if you do have a question for the podcast, please do hit us up. You can email me, wally at gatecitysax.com, or hit us up on social media. We'd love to answer your questions. Hope you enjoy the episode. You've been having sickness in your house as well? <sighs> Knock on wood. No. No? We've been doing okay. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Well, one of my kids, I can only assume, had bird flu. And the other kid <laughs> oh, had no. swine flu. I can only, I'm <laughs> guessing here. Yeah. And they both give it to me, but I'm on the mend. That's great. But I, Well, I'm glad you're I sitting am, over there. I am regretting that I licked your water <laughs> bottle earlier. So oh, stop so, it. <laughs> sorry about that. Oh, well, too late. Sue, how's your week been? <laughs> good. It's Monday, so it's going pretty good so far. <laughs> and you're not sick, which is good. You're oh, one of the, gosh. <laughs> double knock on wood. <laughs> one of the few people in this zip code that doesn't have something oh, horrible. Oh, there's so much garbage going around. Well, it has rained almost every day for a year and a half here, so. Oh, I know. It's getting old. I'm tired of it. We live in Greensboro. I'm going to start calling it Rainsboro. Rainsboro. It's, hey, it's sunny today. It is nice. It's beautiful. Yeah, I'll take a picture. I yeah. won't. I won't. So <laughs> you, I'm going to brag on my co-host. Oh, you what recently, did I do now? I heard great acclaim. You went to Eastern Tennessee State University. I went to East Tennessee State University. And I heard you gave a killer master class. You heard that. I did. Oh, that's awesome to know. I had a good time. Yeah? Yeah, the students played great and yeah. It was fun. Did you impart some wisdom? I did. It, with this one student, I even did the Hemke hug. Do you know oh. the Hemke hug? No. So um. we can't really, it's hard to do this these days. So you reach around the person and you play the saxophone. So you do the fingers and they just kind of like blow into the saxophone. Oh, yeah. So now, of course, Hemke's like, you know, six something and, you know, he can do that without too much physical contact. But I, I, I have found that you can also just do the top, you know, the left hand. Right. That's the top one. I was just gonna. So you say. did this with a student at this master <laughs> with class. With a student at this master class, but you know, this woman, you know, was playing, and I could tell that she was just shifting around her amateur and shifting around her air and her throat a lot while she was playing. And yeah. so I said, I asked for permission and explained to her what I was gonna do, and she's like, "Yeah, cool, okay." You know, and I probably can get away with that a little bit because I'm like mom. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't do that. Well, I'm also well, yeah, yeah. George Costanza with a better head of hair, so I can't. <laughs> I don't have the arm reach. But she was so, a yeah. super good sport about it. But it's it's really informative. And when Hemke did that when I was a freshman for the first time, like he would change notes and go into a different octave, and the the sound would just stop because I was just shifting oh. stuff around. Like, and so just to try to teach the students, just blow into the saxophone yeah. and don't shift your armature and throw all around with every note. Anyway, it was super fun. The kids were great. And good my host. Good, good workshop? Yeah. My host was Dr. Emily Laboda Hitchcock, and uh -huh. she's awesome, of course. Awesome. So good. Yeah. Good. Hear some good playing and have a good time. I heard some good playing and yeah, I had a good time. I hope it was helpful to the students. Yeah. They seemed to enjoy it. So that's all that matters. Well, good. And it was a single read day over it. It was yeah. read day. Actually, we had double reads too. Double reads? Yeah. Oh, and bassoons all and the clarinet reads. And sax. Well, what I about bagpipe? Uh, soprano sax. What about crumb horn? Right? We didn't have the crumb Isn't horn. Isn't that terribly inclusive read day, for honest? Because the bagpipe has reeds. It was pretty inside the box read right. day. Yeah, well, sorry. We'll it was talk, no organ either, dude. We'll talk to Dr. Laboda <laughs> Hitchcock about that, about being more inclusive in future yeah. workshops. <laughs> I'm sure she'll be Because the pipers that. are offended. Yes. So good I'm week. Sorry. And you got, yeah. you got a concerto com performance coming up. It's coming up. Yeah, I was practicing that this morning. So David Garner's Celtic 
concerto for soprano sax and wind ensemble. Going to play at the NASA Region 7. Nice. I'm going to go this Wednesday to rehearse with the wind ensemble. Oh, oh so yeah, concerto <clears throat> for s- soprano saxophone. And wind ensemble. And wind ensemble. And I'm, I, I'm still missing some licks, so I'm a little stressed. No, you're not. Don't tell people <laughs> it'll be that. Fine. They don't I, sorry. know. Well, it, it'll be fine. Don't, don't give it away. It'll be fine. I still have 10 days till the conference, so. Yeah, you'll be be fine. (laughs) Well, I have not been practicing. I have been sick. Why? Oh, because you've been sick. You know, you can't practice. And I don't want to infect anything. And that will actually tail nicely into our mailbag question this week. Oh. We have a listener question about illness, specifically, and the saxophone. I forwarded you that. I know. Am I I on your spam filter? Is that what it is? No, no. I'm I'm just, I'm reacting like that because I read that question and I thought, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. And I've wondered about that many times. So there have been years where I keep getting sick with the same thing yeah. over and over, and I'm like, I know it's my saxophone, but so don't, I don't give it away, Sue. We're gonna okay. save it for the mailbag. Okay. So never mind. You gotta stay tuned to the, the end to find out they, how they, not they, to get okay. re-sick with your there saxophone. You and I actually did research with an actual physician. You are awesome. Yeah, I had to get the groceries first before she told me. Yeah. <laughs> so small price yeah. to pay. <laughs> so you got some awesome, and I'm going to put a link in the show notes to the conference you're playing at. So if anyone's okay. in the tri-state area, Yay. they can come see you play this concerto. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Um, we have industry news. Yes, I know what you're do we busy. Have? You're playing. You're practicing. You're gigging. You don't have time, and none of our listeners have time. So I'm here to help. Thank you, Wally. So this uh, press release from I'm going to ask how to pronounce it. There's a new classical saxophone mouthpiece on the market. No way. Not by one of the big manufacturers. Hmm. It's a small company that I believe is also part of Jody, uh, acquisition by Jody Jazz of the famous mm. Cheddaville company. Have you heard of Cheddaville? It Aren't, sounds vaguely familiar, but no, not so really. So it's spelled C-H-E-D-E-V-I-L-E. Oh. So if I were going to be fancy in French, I guess it'd be Cheddaville. Cheddaville. Cheddaville mouthpieces, which I'm not going to do. Because uh, I'm an American, yeah, and so I'm going to use the freedom pronunciation. So <laughs> I'm going to call it Cheddarville, and then I'm going to add an R and call it Cheddarville because because I am. Are a, you from Wisconsin? No, but I'm a grown oh. man child that finds that funny. <laughs> um, anyway, so it's a new mouthpiece that is funny, um, and it's I guess um, it's made in Savannah, Georgia, which I do like. Um, articulation, pianissimo to forte dynamics, ability to express beauty. Uh, and we need that in a mouthpiece. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah, so kidding aside, uh, no expense has been spared in creating these mouthpieces, continued Espina, I guess the maker, which is good because they said the same thing in Jurassic Park, spared no expense. <laughs> yeah, and you see so, how things turned yeah, out there. Yeah, so I'm not sure that's a... But anyway, these here's a picture of them. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. They are kind of beautiful. And uh, they kind of remind me a little bit as if um, the old Sigurd Rasher mouthpieces that were manufactured. I don't even know wow. if they still make those. It's kind of a you know a bump little scroll at the end, and it's kind of pretty. It's very pretty. Yeah, it's not bad. Well, they're not cheap, so hopefully they're no, really I, good, well, though. <laughs> give me my notes, Sue. Hey, uh, so, Wally, will they send some for us to try? I doubt that. Oh, okay. I doubt that. I'll, I'll reach out, especially because I made a Cheddarville joke already. Oh, um, yeah. But they Maybe do you use... can edit that out. <laughs> Played and studied to discover <laughs> all sorts of things. Made in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, there's something about the um, the hard rubber um, using a higher quality hard rubber, the same they used huh. to use before World War II. Because I don't oh. know about you, but whenever I play on a hard rubber mouthpiece, I think like you know it's good, but it doesn't remind me of that old hard rubber. <laughs> ah. You know the the 
the, the pre-World War II, the, the post-Panzer tanks in Paris kind of hard rubber, <laughs> I guess. Okay. So we're, we're going to, if you know anything about these mouthpieces, write us and let yeah. us know um, and post a sound clip or a video and tag us because I do want to hear and see these things. Yeah, how did they compare to the And the the, I love ones. Savannah, Georgia. I spent my honeymoon there. Um, it's a great Aww. city and I, I do want to support local. I will say the MSRP is $450 for the alto, $475 for the tenor, and $495. For the baritone. Yeah. But I mean, if they really play great, you know. Yeah. Then you do it. Yeah. So if you have any information about these cheddar, should they be? <laughs> or Cheddarville, if you're a man child like Wally, <laughs> let us know. And we're curious about these. But I just saw the press release for this. So that's industry news number one. Now, the second one, this is very exciting. So you, <laughs> Look at you. Are you sitting down? You go. <laughs> I know. Are you sitting down? I am. She's seated comfortably. Have you ever thought, you know, I'm at a barbecue or I'm camping and I want to play my saxophone, but it's just not appropriate to bring my saxophone to this venue. Um, <laughs> not really. <laughs> yes, you have. Lie to me, Oh, yes, Sue. yes, 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 so, yes. All luckily, the time. Yeah, yeah that's I was when thinking, I take like, my you know, recorder. I'm, no, I don't. I'm at the water park, <laughs> and I think, like, gosh, I just want to jam with my friends. I want to play the saxophone, but not the saxophone. Yeah. And I don't want to do it with the formality that comes with playing the saxophone. Right. Enter. Are you, you, she's still sitting down. The Yamaha Venova, a, quote, casual reed instrument. <laughs> now there's an instrument simple and durable enough to take anywhere. Just blow into it and have fun making this wind instrument sing. More powerful than it looks, the Venova can also handle delicate melodies. The more you play, the more you'll discover its wide, expressive range. And here's the picture. I'll link it in the show notes. Okay, I have an important question. Yeah. It looks kind of like a plasma blaster from a good oh, sci-fi movie. I have seen one of these at More Music. You have? They have those? I'm pretty sure they had one. Okay. But here's the question. Does it have the same fingering as the it's, saxophone? It's similar to a recording fingering. So yes, oh, yeah. similar. Similar. Similar enough so you can play it, but not similar enough that you could actually probably do meaningful practice. <laughs> but here's the thing, Sue. Because that would be cool. That would be cool. Yeah. Uh, if you could actually just practice. It does use the, quote, equivalent of a 4C mouthpiece, and oh. it comes with a composite reed. But you can use cane okay. reeds on it as well. But see, um, if you want something you can just take anywhere, that's great if it's weather impervious. and Yeah. That would be fun, I but guess. it needs to finger like a sax. I think it, it does similarly enough because they're obviously it. marketing it for um, saxophones. Okay. But here's the here's the thing, Sue. Okay. It's light and compact. You can take it anywhere. Challenge accepted. Whether out for the day <laughs> or going on a trip, it's easy to carry. And with the Venova, you'll have more fun. Well, they don't know that. I might have <laughs> fun bringing my saxophone. Yeah, Low maintenance and easy to clean. Oh, uh, that's good. Liven up the mood wherever you go. A beach, a barbecue, or out for camping. Yeah. Which is true. I will not bring my saxophone to a beach. Nope. Barbecue. Nope. Or camping. Right. I think I have played a barbecue before, but yeah. But that was a paid gig. And it was like an industrial. Yeah. You know, like, you know, exactly. Yeah. It's like uh, caught in the rain, no problem. Like. You can get the Venova wet and it still keeps playing. Um, hmm. High school marching band has taught me not so much the case with that. <laughs> Play casually with friends at a music session, even live performances. So I'm going to link this in the show notes. Uh, I don't have an affiliate link, so don't. I don't care if you buy it. I'm not going to make any money off of it. Um, I want to try one. I kind of do. I'm very uh, curious there's a video. Now. Uh, so, like, I will admit, you go on the website. You have to look long and hard. You'll see some promo videos, but you have to look long and hard to find a video of it actually playing to hear what uh-huh. it sounds like. What does it sound like? I'll let the listeners judge. Okay. So I will go post a link in the show notes, uh, and if. Let us know what you think it sounds like. I want to try it. Yeah, I do too. I'm going to ask more music if they'll get one for because us to try, Wally. If I go to one more barbecue without my saxophone. Uh, I know, it's yeah. unsatisfying. I don't want ribs. I want to play some hot licks, <laughs> Jerry. <laughs> yeah. So the Venova, I'll link that in the show notes. And that is big, exciting Very industry cool. news Awesome for this week. 
That's that's just exhausting. I know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I ordered one of those rose gold Van Doren the, MO ligatures okay. to try because you talked about it, and it's, now, of course, right. now I have to try. Van Doren makes an MO, <laughs> and they make it in a lot of platings, yeah. and I've already thrown them all away, um, just thrown them out in the garbage because I, I don't want my gold plated. I want the pink gold. I want the pink gold. Which reportedly has a quote, Depth of sound. Well, I need that. I do too. <laughs> I, just, I joke, but I'm a sucker for good marketing. So, so you have ordered it. When's yeah. it going to come in? So, oh, sometime later this week. Maybe we do, by the next show. Maybe I'll be able to tell you yeah. what I think. Can we do a back-to-back playing of a? Uh, oh, of, we can try. Yeah, yeah. I'll set up a microphone. And, and you know, uh, I'm skeptical, right? Because no, I'm not like a real big uh, equipment person. So, yeah. like the wonderful people at Van Doren kept trying, I don't know, for months to get me to try those optimum mouthpieces when they came out years ago. Oh, They've yeah, been out yeah. for years. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm fine, I'm fine. I've been playing on a Sea Star, which, you know, I was playing on Van Doren reeds and ligatures, but I wasn't playing on a Van Doren mouthpiece. And they right. kept sending me all the, over the years, they had sent me a lot of mouthpieces to try. And I tried them and I thought, oh, that's pretty good, that's pretty good. And then I'd go back to my, my right. setup. And of course, it's familiar, so I was always happy with it. So finally, I think it was David Gould who finally prevailed upon me to actually, you know, seriously try the optimum mouthpiece. And boy, the first day I tried it, I was like, oh my gosh. It was the soprano one. Yeah. The soprano one oh, was like, yeah. whoa, that is so smooth. And I thought, well, maybe it's just, you know, I'm, I always wow, that's great. And then I go back to my setup and I'm like, oh no, that's better. Yeah. And I went back to my setup and I was like, oh my God, that's awful. Oh, so the <laughs> and optimum so mouthpiece, yeah. so I switched yeah. to the optimum like that minute. And so then I went home and I was talking to Mark, my husband, who's a sax player too. And I said, oh my God, you've got to try these optimum mouthpieces. And he's like, yeah, whatever. Cause I had, you know, pushed right. these mouthpieces on him before. And uh, I said, no, seriously, I'm going to play this gig on Sunday at church on this new mouthpiece. He's like, what? In like a day from now? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, wow, that's crazy. And so I played the gig. It was just, you know, just a prelude, postlude kind right. of church gig on soprano sax. He came up to me after the church service and he just looked at me and he said, did you say they sent alto and tenor mouthpieces too? And we switched all of our mouthpieces yeah. on all of our horns like that day. That's a good design. Yeah. Yep. It's really good. So, so I, but my point is that for years and years and years and years, I would always go back to my setup and, yeah. and prefer that. And I don't like to switch stuff because I think it's better to just practice and get the sound that you're, you're trying to get. But every once in a while, there, uh, an equipment change is actually a good thing. Yeah. And it's fun. <laughs> so I want to try. Whatever there's well, anything wrong fun. with my playing. <laughs> Obviously, an equipment changes in order because it's not me. Because it's not you, It's not me. Yeah. So you're going to let us know about the pink gold. I will let you know what I think. I think we need to find a way to work pink gold MO ligature in every episode from now until they come up with something something else. They're going to be like, get those guys to talk about something else. Nope. I want to talk about the pink gold, and I'll continue to make fun of it because I'm a jerk. So... And that wraps up industry news. Now, <laughs> yeah, in, we better get in off the studio topic. session, we have a topic that I wanted to talk about. Yes. So, Sue, I want to talk about it because there's nothing more interesting and fascinating than talking about read, read care, care, which I love. So <laughs> I'm going to start with a, um, I'm going to coin a, a saying. If you open a box of 10 reads and you get a bad read, that's normal. Yes. You get three bad reads, eh, you're a little unlucky. Yeah. If you happens. get 10 bad reads, Uh-oh. you're a garbage player. <laughs> <laughs> or those well, are not the right reads yeah. for you. <laughs> well, I'm talking about, yeah. So, Like if they're really bad quality. Right. If I go oh. to a clinic or master class mm. and I get the question, 
Oh, Dr. Polly, I just can't find any good reads. I open up the box of Van Doren or Daddario. Or whatever, yeah. And uh, which I want to talk about Daddario for a second. Okay. Later. And I open up and there's and there's none of the reads play. And I automatically assume you have no idea what you're doing. Um, I will admit the the big two read brands. They're making really good reads. They're these making days. really good reads. And are they ridiculously expensive for what they are? Yes. I mean, because yeah. cane is basically a, a reed, which is like bamboo, yeah. which is one of the fastest growing plants on earth, which basically makes it a weed, which my lawn is full <laughs> of, but I don't sell them in little boxes for 30 bucks a pop. So we're going to, I'm tired of paying so much for reeds, but. It seems a little bit like a non secret. Never mind. I'm not, I'm not precision cutting my, my weeds, but anyway, they are expensive, but they're good. I will admit. Well, they're good. Yeah. There aren't any better ones. So I've heard a couple of people complaining about reeds recently. And I yeah. will say, since I came into a good strategy, I'm finding an enormous percentage of my reads play really well. Same. A lot of them are performance worthy, recording worthy. Same. And since using this, I went to the studio not that long ago to record some promo videos and I was not stressed. I bought two boxes um, and I maybe one or two that I wouldn't have recorded on. They were really good. Yeah. I'm certain some that I preferred. But it's uh, it's all in having a strategy. When I find people complain a lot about reads like I used to, it's a lack of strategy. So I want to talk a little bit about my strategy that I got from someone smarter than me, but I won't name them because I want to take credit for it. Okay. <laughs> and then see what you do. So okay. I think it kind of breaks down into good reads involve three things, conditioning, storage, and rotation. And today I want to talk mostly about conditioning because storage and rotation we can talk about another time. Um, but it's all, a lot of people say, well, and another question I'm sure we both get a lot from students, how do you break in reads? Right. And I like to use a fancier term, conditioning. Yeah, that sounds fancy. You break in a, a, a wild horse, you break <laughs> in a pair of shoes. I like to think of conditioning my reads. Okay. I don't want to break their spirit. <laughs> so what I find is, back, the players that are having a lot of, the young players especially, problems, and like I used to, they play the box of 10 reads. They find one or two that are good, they like, they put it on and they play it into the ground. Yes. And the others just sit in there. And a couple bad things happen. That reed gets worn out quickly. It feels softer and softer and softer. Um, and then the problem is when that reed finally dies, their embouchures have become so weak <laughs> and atrophied. Playing this softer reed, they pull a fresh reed out like, oh, all these reeds are terrible. Like when they don't realize, like, no, your embouchure has just gotten really right. lax dealing with the soft reed. So pro tip, condition your reeds. And here's, there's a million different ways. And it reminds me of a joke. Um, two fighter pilots are getting into a jet. The co-pilot looks under the, the fighter pilot's seat and he sees some gin, sees some vermouth, he sees some garnish, he sees a couple glasses and a shaker. And the co-pilot says, wait, why do you have all this stuff under your seat? And he <laughs> says, well, if we crash on a deserted island or out in the middle of nowhere, I'm going to start making a martini. Right. And inevitably, <laughs> someone's going to come along just to tell me I'm doing it wrong. So... <laughs> That's how we'll be rescued. It's the same thing with conditioning reads. Everyone has thoughts, and I'm sure they're all wrong, but this is the way I do it, and this is very exciting. You open a box of 10 reads, and we should be high school and above, I think, breaking in 10 at a time. Yeah. Open up the box of reads. If you play in Fandorans like Sue, you got to open up 10 little packages. Welcome each read to America. <laughs> Breathe in that sniff of Var region France air when you open it up, and then dunk a ball in water for just a minute or so. Take them out, and then play each read. Are you waiting for it? For one minute, and then put it away. Not autism, nothing fancy, nothing right. crazy. Just go into your your warm up or fundamentals routine. Just gently playing a read for one minute, then put them away and go back to your old crappy reads. Day two, <laughs> do the same thing, but play each read for two minutes. 
<laughs> and then you store them. How do you store them? You have to tune into another podcast to find out that. Because <laughs> it's equally complex. Day three, three minutes. Day four, you play each read for four minutes. And actually, use I do use a little timer so I don't go into la-la land and realize that I've been practicing something for 50 minutes on the same read. Oh, whoops. And then like, <laughs> yeah. And then day five, this is where the magic happens. Are you, are you sitting down? I am. You Still. play each read for... Five minutes. I thought you were going to say five minutes. I know. It's magical. And then at that point, around that time, you should have a better idea of how each read plays. You'll yeah. know if there's any garbage reads in there, uh, you'll have a, they'll all be more or less, quote, broken in. And they're all going to be much more stable. Um, and then they're also going to be slightly less porous by this time, meaning they're not going to draw water in as out as quickly, partially due to friction from your lip, partially due to saliva and dead skin cells stuff. eating up the <laughs> stuff if we're honest the stuff that's inside of your mouth Johnny will will change the function of the read a little bit but it'll, you'll do it to all 10 equally okay. and then after that then you can start playing as normal but rotating um, that I don't recommend playing a read longer than an hour but without rotating it so that I learned that from the former principal clarinetist of the marine owned president's own marine band Nice. And I was young and I was stubborn and I would used to just find a read that played and played until it no longer played. Yeah. Since I started doing that, I don't worry about reads anymore. And honestly, right. when I have friends like, you know, that, well, you got to try this um, synthetic read. I think, I, I don't care. Yeah. I, I have so many good reads, Same. so many good cadre reads. I don't have a problem with a read. Aside yeah. from the expense. Which, yeah. um, so I, <laughs> this is a question I get a lot around. Why do I not have any good reads? Why do all my reads suck? Why doesn't Van Doren or Daddario make any good reads? Right. And I think it's simply a lack of conditioning, of consistency. I think you're absolutely right. What I do is is almost identical. Um, I'll take I. So I have one of these Van Doren cases that fits in my alto case. I have one of these terrible alto saxophone cases that I can't fit very much stuff in there because it's a form-fitted case and it yeah. doesn't have an outside pocket. So I have to be, you know, really efficient with the space in there. I don't even keep both my jazz and classical mouthpiece in the case. I have just my classical mouthpiece. So if I go to a jazz gig, I have to remember to take yeah. my jazz mouthpiece. It's terrible. I should just buy a different case, but I really like this case. I've had for like 20-some years and it's, now. Who makes it? Uh, well, I got it with my Selmer saxophone, okay. but, but I think it was a Walt Johnson, but they stuck gotcha. the Selmer sign on back then. You know how <laughs> yeah, they did I, that. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's a really great case. I mean, I mean, it's held up for 25 years. That's a good case, right? And the horns still, good. you know, knock on wood, <laughs> and the, the horn's never been injured in there. But anyway, so I have one of those cases that holds six um, alto saxophone reeds. I would prefer eight. Eight. Like why, my why eight? Well, ten would be great, but that won't fit in the case. Wally. Okay. But anyway, so I could have two of these six holders, but then okay. that would be twelve, and that's too many. Okay. So anyway, I've talked to Vandor, and I'm like, couldn't you make one that holds like like eight? I mean, ten would be ideal because right. they're in the box. But anyway, so I'll take a read out of one of those those lovely flow packs, and I take it out of that plastic holder thingy that it comes in, and I throw those away. My students usually try to get their reads back in those things, and yeah. that's a very expensive habit because you right. break them when you put them back in especially those the band kids that are distracted and they're trying to well yeah. they're hurrying to their next class or something and i'll put that read down on some hard service and i'll just rub it with my thumb a couple of times to seal it up a little bit i think that one of my band directors so you do the ceiling a little bit yep okay. and i don't go crazy about it and then i just i just wet it in my mouth i don't soak it in water but well, That's because I think I like the taste of those new <laughs> I know. So here's another question. Another question thing yeah. is when I tell the students, dunk it in a little bit of water for yeah. a minute or so, take them out. I don't like the reeds to get completely waterlogged at any point. Oh, right. And so you don't leave them in there for like 
10 or 15 no, minutes. No, because here's the thing. I know some people that are like, well, you want it completely soaked. No, No, because when you take so. it out, strap it to your mouthpiece and start playing, the back end of it will dry out anyway. Yeah. Um, so I'm not big into It's not necessary. Just keep it simple. If you want right. to use a glass of water, use a glass of water. Right. If the, the you want to use your mouth, <laughs> use your mouth. <laughs> Whenever I give a master class, inevitably I get this question. Well, what kind of water should I be using? Oh, goodness. Uh, I, deionized? Oh, wow. Filtered? Spring? Uh, I think some people are overthinking here. I think so. I think it's, I think it, I think it's water. <laughs> I don't think it matters because after it's out of the water, it's going to be soaked with whatever's in your mouth. So I think freaking yeah. out about the type of water is not important. But then I, you know, I put them in the holder like you do, and I have the newer ones are on one end, and I play on my new ones for a minute. You know, maybe I might wait, you know, and, and go through my reads like every other day. Yeah. Something like that. So it's, it's very similar. And by the time that read has worked its way up to position one, it's an old friend. <laughs> and position two, I'll practice some on, but not too much. And yeah. position two is almost always my concert read or three. Right. It's very funny how that works out. And then, like, you know, like you said, after a while, once you've broken them in, give every read a chance. <laughs> and All then we are saying. Give reads a chance. And we've dated ourselves because anyone under the age of 40 has no idea yeah, what like, we're talking what? about. Anyway, so it's very similar to what you do. And, you know, if you've really broken the read in, given it four or five different times of playing just for two, three, four, five minutes. Right. And it's just you can tell in comparison to all the other ones. It's, right. it's too soft or it's too hard. Yeah, just throw it out or give it to a very good friend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like to make an example of it. If it's playing badly, I get all my reads together and I show them what happens. Ooh. Yeah. And then I bust out the read knife. And that's the only time. Do you try I, the wall test? The wall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. I can't do this splintering. Uh, I don't. Ew, yeah, I don't okay. yeah, it gives me. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I'm not a persnickety. Well, yes, I am. But like, I can't stand the, the uh, breaking and read intentionally. It just, yeah. I don't like the fibrous mess. I hope that's helpful to anybody. But you are absolutely right that yeah. the young students and I was just as guilty as the next person. Uh, just take a read out and just play on yeah. it till it died. Well, I find it's and also the. <laughs> I never the, had a good read because yeah. <laughs> the read was well, always on the I edge always of found was, I always <laughs> dreaded, quote, breaking in new reads because mm-hmm. they all felt so hard and unplayable. Exactly. And it was because we had mm. deconditioned our, embouch- our embouchures by playing the same right. read forever. So it really has game changer. It has made saxophone playing so much more fun since I started doing this. Yeah, I use almost every read in the box. Yeah, I do for too. For at least a little bit. And if I can tell, if it's if it's like day five and I'm like, okay, this read's not going to make the cut, right. I might just go ahead and play on it for an hour till, and then throw it away. Right. Because I know I'm, I don't need to be careful with it anyway because right. I'm going to throw it away anyway. Right. And it makes my embouchure try to make a good sound even on an imperfect I read. It's use good it for to you. slap tongue or uh, just exactly. funny sounds. <laughs> which which I do want to get into. I want to do a read case roundup at some point. Later. Yeah, let's do that. Um, some but other time. I do want to. I do just to call out uh, Dadario, which apparently is pronounced Dadario. Have you heard this? Dadario. Okay, I thought it was D Adario. Oh, because it's spelled D apostrophe, apostrophe Dadario. But um, uh, the one of the uh, specialists, the uh, marketing people, assured me it's, it was Dadario. It's, it's Dadario. But I think Beverly D'Angelo might take. <laughs> Issue with that because <laughs> it's D apostrophe Angelo is yeah. D Angelo. The apostrophe well, means you say the. Yeah. This so, is America, Wally. Things are I just know. you know not. I consistent. like it simple. It's okay, Wally. Like my read cases, which is why I don't do, like anything but read cases that hold ten. Oh yeah. So I, I do use uh, Dadario for jazz. I like their jazz select. Three hard unfiled is my favorite read on the planet. Alrighty. I write little songs about it. I cool. love it. It's great. Which 
sometimes I will get nine or ten good reads out of the That's... box if I condition them. But then if you pick up the Dario or a Diodario, as I will <laughs> be a jerk and call it, it has eight <laughs> spaces. So then I have Sophie's read choice. Which two do I not put in this? <laughs> well, Wally, you can just keep the other ones with your, I mean, just keep them in your case. Barbaric. I will not. So Dude, see the thing with the Van Doren ones, they come wrapped in these little individual wrappers. So I just throw out the box and throw all the reads <laughs> loose in my case. <laughs> so you have to pick the two that don't make the cut, and I the, just work them in yeah. when I throw out the two that didn't make the cut. <laughs> S- sacrifice them to the God of Cain. So condition your reads, yes. kids. Um, yes. Every, you know, I like to. I'm really nerdy, so I have three read cases. I have cool. my currently playing the ones that are on the way of out uh, in the emergency and ones that I break in. That's great. If I have a big thing coming up that I'm stressed about, now that's yeah. overly nerdy. But I think we should yeah. all be breaking in roughly, you know. Well, yeah. I mean, six to ten reads. Yeah. Yeah. And there should be like three or four that you're not playing on a lot. Yes. So really eight eight to ten would be better. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Yeah. And that is your pro in the studio tip. Woohoo. It's not exciting, but it will... It's very it's exciting. The, what do you mean it's not it's exciting? The, it's all about it's reads, so man. so important. <laughs> and later then we'll get in the read roundup. Um, we'll talk about our favorite types of reads on another yeah. episode. Yeah, which will be equally exciting. You have to love your reads. Stop complaining yeah. about your reads. Well, Just since love I them. St- since I got a good conditioning <laughs> routine in, I actually do, and it's yeah. removed one of the largest headaches from playing. Same. Now it's just simply poverty. So, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> moving out of the studio into the world of what we need to know about because we're busy people. Yes. We don't always keep up with what's coming out. I keep on top of equipment. You've been keeping on top of good recordings. Yeah. I've been what do we like, got this week? Well, this week, um, we listened to the H2 Saxophone Quartet's new yes. release entitled Enrapture. H2 is a really terrific quartet. I don't know how many... Let's see, recordings they have. I think that must be up to about five by now. It was a pretty good discography yeah. when I got yeah. on Spotify. Yeah, so they've done some yeah. really good stuff. So one that my students uh, told me about was the Groove Machine recording because right. it's got the Mellets Revolution on there right. where the last movement is Groove Machine. And my, my saxophone students over at Duke have been playing that and really love it. So then I, I checked out some of their other recordings. Really, really fine group. I mean, they've won a bunch of competitions, yeah. and everybody's got impressive degrees and teaching From positions. Institutions that are yeah, credited. Fine. Yeah, with fine many institutions. Important words like university, at, and of. <laughs> exactly. Well, anyway, this recording is really, really interesting and you know, a lot of good music on it. One piece that, of course, grabs my attention is Alaric 1 or 2 by Gavin Bryars. Which one is it? 1 um, or 2? <laughs> so it's funny you should ask, because the story on that is uh, Gavin Bryars named the piece uh, after a mountain. Let's see if I get this right. And the mountain was named after a king, but nobody could remember if it was Alaric 1 or Alaric 2. Oh. So he named the piece Alaric 1 or 2. <laughs> Gavin Bryars is the composer. Yeah, yeah, he's the composer. So this piece, I can't remember now what group we were listening listening to, but we heard this piece when I was in the Vienna Quartet. We heard this piece on a recording, and we just fell in love with yeah. this music. Gavin's music is just awesome. I mean, if you don't know Gavin Bryars' music, go check it out, not just the saxophone music. And so, you know, we got our hands on this piece. I think it's published, published by Schott. And the first section is just... A nightmare because it's got all these multiphonics that don't don't really work, 
And so the group that recorded it, and again, I can't remember the group, you know, did a great job on the recording, but you could hear that the, the multiphonics in the first section didn't sound very good. This was not H2. This was a different No, recording. no, this okay. was a, a different group. And so when I was in the Vienna Quartet, we recorded that piece. Yeah. And I contacted Gavin Breyers, and I'm like, basically, in a nice way, hey, these multiphonics don't work. And he's wrote back, yeah, I know, just, you know, figure something out that's kind of like that. And his idea with the multiphonics is sort of this concept of the wind blowing through the mountain or, you know, this yeah. Now, for we do have some younger listeners and some influencers. Yeah. Explain quickly, what is a multiphonic? Oh, gosh, multiphonics. So the, the best way to really kind of tick off your band director is to finger a low C, uh-huh. and then you pick up the F key, uh-huh. your index finger on your right hand. sheer laziness, can't be bothered to keep them all down. And you just blow into it. You're going to get more than one pitch at a right. time. Okay. Yeah. And it's going to be really loud and obnoxious. So, yeah, this sorry, is, band directors yeah, out there. So, and the Briars <laughs> features this in really interesting ways. Yeah. And I thought H2 did a really dynamite really job. Really dynamite job on that. And the thing that's really hard about the Briars piece is it's an unusual... Um, instrumentation. So it's instead of being soprano, alto, tenor, berry, right. it's soprano, soprano, alto, berry, no tenor. No tenor. No tenor. Well, no one likes so, a tenor player anyway. So that's. <laughs> that's for another day. There's yeah, all yeah, kinds yeah. of okay, tenor right. players. I mean, even everybody people who loves play, their tenor player. Everybody who, anyone who plays tenor in a quartet even makes jokes about themselves. I know. <laughs> but anyway, you have to have two people who can really play the heck out of a soprano sax to play this piece. And so it was, you know, it was tough for our group when I was in the Vienna yeah. Quartet because, you know, our tenor player was a tenor player. So a little, little slow? Well, not just, not oh, just slow, oh, you but... Oh, okay, yeah. play tenor exclusively. <laughs> okay, but I missed yeah, it. Yeah, ah, talk yeah. about slow. Jeez, yeah. Wally, I missed that one. <laughs> but anyway, H2 has two people who really play the soprano right. saxophone, yeah. so it is just smoking. It's so awesome. It was really good. Yeah, um, and then the great soaring alto sax mm-hmm. melodies that go on. Oh, yeah. So Four anyway. really good players in this quartet. Really good players, all four of them. Yeah, 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 and there's... um. What the, the title track, the Enrapture, is, yeah. is what's 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 the composition? Well, um, the composer, I don't know how to say this person's name, Farhad, probably Forrest Pierce, yeah. Cheddarville, <laughs> yeah, Cheddarville Farhad, Farhad Forrest Pierce, who uh, teaches composition at University of Kansas, okay. according to the interwebs. Because the thing about buying digital recordings, yeah, is you don't get the liner notes. I love liner if notes. If there are even liner notes to this one, which I suppose if I had bought the CD weeks right. ago so that I could wait for it to arrive so that I could listen but to it, I. Before talking about it today. So I had to get it digitally, and there weren't any liner notes, so I just had to Google stuff. Uh, But that piece is pretty interesting, right? I liked it. Didn't it it. sound like slightly Appalachian? It did, and there was a lot Mm. of... uh, So for the jazzers or the amateurs, a lot of this music is admittedly uh, what you would consider avant-garde. Yeah, Um, that's true. And academia would just call it new music. New music. But to the Mm non-academic, it's kind of avant-garde, kind of out there. So there's using a lot of these... Some of it's pretty out there. Interesting sounds. Uh, The first movement, I think there's slap tongue, and there's multiphonics. I believe there's some quarter tones or some micro tones in there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Really interesting. Um, and I th- what's the name of the piece? It's Kansas Rapture. Yeah, the Kansas Rapture, which is great. 
Because, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. I'm picturing a lot of people in Kansas just disappearing. Yeah. I mean, it's it really does have this sort of gospel feeling yeah, to it. Yeah, it's and cool. made me think of Appalachian movie. Movie. Well, music. <laughs> yeah. Movie, movies, too, There's maybe. always a movie in my head, Sue. <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah. But the last piece on the album is called A Farewell Mambo yeah. by Paquito de Rivera, and it's super fun. Yeah, it's super fun. They play yeah. it really well. Yeah, these guys are good. You should go get this recording. And they're currently working on another recording. Oh, they are. Which is supposed to be coming out later this year. Yeah. So, do we know what it's called? No, but we'll see if it's any good, and if I it is, hope, we'll talk about it. Okay, I hope they just call it O. O. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I hope they call it. Because here's my a couple questions. Well, first of all, we both like the, the four dynamite players. Oh, I get it. Yeah, you get it on the way home. I gotta kids. get more coffee. Yeah, here while I just I'm not you. smart enough to think about things seriously, so I, I'm constantly H2. reverting back to it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, never um, mind. It is. If you're a jazzer, it's still good to check out the saxophone quartet, the kind of classical model of saxophone quartet. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a lot of fun to play in. It will make you a better musician playing in a saxophone quartet, as we've talked about before. So yeah. even if you're not into classical literature or the avant-garde, it will make you a better musician, ex- expose you to new things, and teach you a lot about intonation. Oh, gosh, and, yes. And yeah. ensemble playing. So even jazz musicians, I find, find it very beneficial to play in a saxophone quartet. There's lots of great jazz literature for saxophone quartet. There is, and yeah. And here's what I love. There's a lot of good gigging opportunities for saxophone quartet where you really, it's not appropriate to bring a rhythm section. So I love saxophone quartets. This is admittedly a very kind of avant-garde recording. A lot of new music, yeah. a lot of new techniques. It'll be a stretch for it's some people listening. It's not always yet. my cup of tea because right. I'm, I'm grouchy and persnickety. <laughs> but I will say it was done so well. A lot of times yeah. this new music or this avant-garde music, when it's just, here's a bunch of uh, multiphonics, I kind of lose interest. But this yeah. was performed so masterfully, I really enjoyed it. It, yeah. it uh, made me want to put on my artsy-fartsy glasses, uh, sit in my Ames lounge chair, and <laughs> just feel a little bit smarter <laughs> for trying to get right. it. And I, I'm not yeah. really joking. It was that kind of music where I wouldn't listen to it while driving, but sitting and just listening to uh, really great saxophone playing, I really appreciated it. Yeah. Uh, and there's some good tunes, and there's a lot of good tonal stuff, too. Yeah. It's not all just like edgy and just for the sake of being edgy. The the particular... The, 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 that was, Paquita de Rivera is yeah, really, really fun. Good. Yeah. yeah, they played it well. Very great well players. Yeah. I am curious, why are they called the H2 Quartet? I don't know. Is it dihydrogen or... Yeah, like, I don't know. I looked at the initials of the players. Nope. Nope. Um, we should ask them. There's two of them that have the same last name, which I is... I know, right? What are the odds? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Saxophone is falling in love with each other? Better uh, odds. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're married to a saxophonist. Yeah. My wife, it's her biggest regret. She married a saxophonist. Yeah. Great recording. I'll put a link in the show notes. Fantastic. Check it out. Yes. Hey, Sue. Yes, Wally. What's up now? You working? I'm working. I'm working. Awesome. Because it's time for the working pro. The working pro. And we would insert <laughs> theme music, but we're too busy working <laughs> to do it. So what... Are we actually ever going to get some music here? Probably not. I'm very okay. busy. That's and funny. like, I don't like to edit these things. I just like to add the intro and outro, post it online. It's more real that way. So yeah. people know that we're actually yeah. this weird. Yeah, there's so much good stuff on Netflix. I don't have time to dig into this kind of tech. But gotcha. the working pro section, um, oh, I wanted man. to talk a little bit this week. I want to get your thoughts. Now, to some young players, you may be thinking, like, God, I would love a gig. But sure. we're actually dealing a little bit with more of the other side, saying no to gigs. Right. Or choosing which gigs you say yes to, what kind of gigs do you pursue, right. when do you take a gig, when do you not. You're at a place now where you can turn down gigs, and you do. I turned out a lot of stuff, not because I'm so great or so busy, but because of where I am in my life. Yeah. So I kind of want to think, like, where are you thinking? Like, um, Now, if you're a young player, 
Get, take all the gigs you can if you want, if you enjoy it. Yeah, I think um, they also, they, there's some choices to be made for sure. them. Mostly you should do everything you get a chance to do. Yeah, if you're young, yeah. especially before you have kids or right. have a spouse or partner right. that would like to see you occasionally. Yeah, take <laughs> take them all. You're young, yeah. you're having fun, and it's a great way to meet people. And when you learn so much playing in front of people, how many times have you practiced stuff in the practice room? You're like, oh, this is the most awesome thing. You get in front of people. Yeah. It's like a comedy routine. It's yeah. bombs. So if you're, <laughs> when you're beginning, take every gig you can. But for a lot of people, I know they really wrestle with is it okay to say no? When can I say no? And right. I know some people that have ruined parts of their lives mm. not being able to say no. And I'll talk a little bit more about it. But what yeah. is your thinking? When oh, do you say gosh. no to a gig or when do you say yes? There's just, and it changes from one stage of life to another stage of life. I mean, now, you know, if the music isn't real interesting, then the gig has to pay a lot, frankly. <laughs> right. I mean, it's really, it really is it. Because it has to, there are always opportunity costs when you take a gig. Yeah. If you have to travel or if you have to be away from your family or if you have to get somebody else to take care of all the at-home stuff so that you can go. Um, so, yeah, that sounds kind of crass, doesn't it? But if the music is super interesting, then a lot of times the hardest gigs I do are the ones that are the least paid, if right. that makes any sense. Yeah. Because the music is really interesting. And I'm like, maybe I asked a composer to write a piece and it's really hard, but it was our collaboration. You know, that's, right. that's sort of like an artistic endeavor. Um, as far as gigs, you know, I had a, a math professor once whose daughter lived in Ireland and, and uh, was a cellist. I don't know if she's still doing that. But he told me once, well, because we were talking about this for some re reason. He was talking about his daughter, um, and she was booking this kind of Celtic music group, and she was a cellist. And, and uh, she, she had to find out. He told her, you need to find out where Ouch is. And so she would you know, say, well, this is my price. And if they said, okay, that's fine, she knew she hadn't found oh, out. Yeah. And so the next time she got a call, she would go up a little bit. And, and so they and, said, oh. Yeah, ooh. And she's like, hey, she called She called her dad and said, hey, dad, I found out. Yeah, <laughs> and it was a lot higher than she thought right. it was. And, of course, it depends. Some, some people can pay, you know, if you're playing for a retirement community, you know, they might have five or 600 bucks right. to pay to pay um if you play on a community concert series it might have you know two to five thousand you don't you don't really know and so you have to have this sliding scale we used to joke in the vienna saxophone quartet that i mean this was sort of our sliding scale we had made for ourselves okay for i don't know i'm going to throw out a number eight thousand dollars we'll play a great program and we'll rehearse really hard <laughs> and we're going to come and it's going to be amazing. You know, for $6,000, it'll be a really good concert. We're going to work hard. It's going to be wonderful. $4,000. Yeah. It's going to be good music. Maybe not our hardest music. And you know, we're still going to be good. You had sliding scale, yeah. you know, thousand dollars. Well, what do you expect? Yeah. <laughs> you so get what we're you pay here. for. <laughs> three of us, three of the four we showed used up. We used to joke about yeah. that. You know? The tenor player got lost. That's to be expected. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Sue left her saxophones yeah. in Salzburg. <laughs> that happens. So I do like that of to find what is worth it. Um, yeah. I, now, I want to talk a little bit about... So I have three criteria. Number one, ah. is it fun, like you say? Yeah. Uh, the best gig I ever had was playing at an Italian restaurant in Athens, Georgia with a with a gypsy jazz quartet. We played the music of Django Reinhardt. I played saxophone. Mm. We had two guitars. And it, was, it was dear friends. And oh. we also knew the owner. So we would play one night for free drinks 
And after the gig, we would all sit down and the owner would shush everyone out the door and our, our wives and husbands would get together and he would serve us a meal personally. Wow. And, and we'd have wine and talk and it made Best zero cash. Yep. But I had drinks and a meal and it was no better way for me to spend time with my friends yep. and you know my wife and we all loved it. Yeah, community and probably right. really fun music. And that was the most, it was so much fun. And part of the reason I almost hesitated to join the army band and leave Athens was I didn't want to give that up. Wow. But it didn't pay anything. Now, I have friends that say we should never play for free. You're devaluing the market. You're making it harder for other jazz musicians. And I don't give a crap. Here's my philosophy. (laughs) I know the argument. The fact is that conservatories and schools of music are pumping out amazing players thousands every year. That's not my fault. That's not their fault. And for a lot of them, if they want to play outside... They're going to play for little or possibly no money. And I think yeah. that's okay. Yeah. The market is, exists. It's a reality. And we don't own, uh, we don't owe it to anyone to make sure they can make a living just because they could do it back in the 1950s. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to give up the internet because it's hurting travel agents. So right. my feeling is these kind of gigs that maybe used to pay quasi living wages, they don't in 2019, most of them. They haven't for a long time, right. Wally, actually. So my feeling is, and maybe maybe someone is out there doing it and good for great. you. Great. That's great. But my yeah. feeling is you don't owe it to anyone to inflate the market or deflate the market yeah. or whatever. If you got a music degree, you want to play, play. If that's for drinks, it's for coffee. I don't think it's anyone's business if you're enjoying it. Yeah. And here's the other thing. If you're relying on $175 gigs here and there, you're not running your finances very well. There are a lot easier ways to make money. Yeah. So I yeah. disagree with some very smart colleagues. I think it's fine to play for free or no money if you're enjoying it. Yeah, um, I mean, if you can get paid to do it, great. But, great. you know, yeah. yeah I'm, so I'm, I I will do you. things that are completely fun or lose money doing it if I'm really passionate about well, it. Well, yeah, and when we're learning and coming up through the ranks, yep. we, we all paid to play. Right. How many times did you pay a pianist yes. so you could do a recital? Yeah. Absolutely. All the time in college. Are you kidding? For every time we did a recital, it was hundreds of dollars yeah. to the pianist. Yeah. So yeah. I think if it's fun or fulfilling or it's a good social outing for you, I say yeah. do it. Number two reason to do it is it pays a lot, like you said. Yeah. Um, I'm not so much into that now because I find there's a lot easier ways to, to make money than playing yeah. gigs. Yeah. But there are things that I hate playing corporate cocktail parties can pay very well. Yeah. Where everyone in the room tries to avoid eye contact with you yeah. or pretend you're not there. Now, they play incredibly well. And for some people, like, man, that's the bread and butter. That's the gig. I don't yep. care. I yeah. don't care. I don't want to wear the badge of honor that I'm a pro. I play my... Because it's not art at that point. You're basically noticing the difference. Oh, that it's if, wallpaper music is yeah. what Joe Daly used to call it. Yeah. yeah so at, at that point, like, yes, I guess technically you're a professional musician, but who cares? Well, but if you're paying the bills and you're having a good time doing that... Super duper. I don't. Yeah. I much In rather In the rolling teach. phones, that's, that's, that was our bread and butter with, with these, the, these uh, company uh, parties. We would come out during the dessert or coffee and do this little showtime act. Right. And uh, so that financed us so that we could be a full-time performing group and do all the other stuff yeah. we did it so makes it worthwhile but, but we had our eyes open we right. knew you know we're sort of selling this product and right. <laughs> you know so you know to each his own right so it pays a lot that's a reason to do it yeah um, right i paid for my wife's engagement ring doing christmas uh concerts and mega churches in nice. the south they put on big old shows yeah uh, and i made a lot of money playing some horrible music with people with uh Microphone singing horrible, and it was okay. bad. But it did but pay you for got, so. It's there a good you go. reason. See? Yeah. And then the other reason <laughs> I think it's okay to take a gig, even if you don't want to, or maybe consider it, is if it's going to put you in a new network uh, or work with someone really that you really want to get to well. know. Yeah. I think that's a good reason too. I think there's more to p- the profession than just making small dollar amounts. Yeah. 
Um, and I think getting to know new people, even if it doesn't mean well, I think is totally worth it. Yeah. I think that's a good reason. What is good? You really thought about this. I, I do. I've, wow. I've had a lot of arguments with people <laughs> that, man, you should never play for free. Yeah. And I just disagree. Um, it's not 1950 anymore. Jazz mm. is no longer a popular art form. Classical music, you got to scroll yeah. pretty far on your phone in the genres list on Spotify to find classical yeah, music. Yeah, it's true. So yeah. I think the value in our art form, and I mean literal, the monetary value comes from teaching and sharing, which is yeah. why most people in the classical world, the class, <laughs> classical and jazz world, <laughs> they make their living teaching it. And I think yeah. that's the value. And I think we need to quit pretending that anyone's going to make a living playing coffee shops right. or bars anymore in most cities, in yeah, most markets. Yeah, you're probably not going to make your living at it, but yeah. you know... I, th- I think that, you know, the reason we do this is that connection with an yes. audience. So anytime you can get a connection with an audience, if it's a few bucks, if it's a lot of bucks, if it's no bucks, that's just, you can't put a price tag on I that. Agree. We've got to stop. This is very typically American, isn't it? To value everything only by like the price tag. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And the most I've ever gotten paid for playing was wedding receptions. Right. And there's nothing. And if that means that's what you do as a professional musician, I'd rather not call myself a professional musician. Understood. Um, and I remember I was at my brother-in-law's wedding, and he is a, an attorney. His wife, uh, father owned a dental practice, so they were very well off. Uh-huh. It was a really nice wedding. Nice. Cho- chocolate fountain. Um, mashed potato bar. No way. You, I, no, I'm not kidding. Get out. So it was like six <laughs> square feet of mashed potatoes with various toppings. Uh-huh. He ate it in a martini glass. <laughs> oh, so I was having the time of my life, and I was doing the chicken dance and enjoying myself. But they had, of course, they had a live band, and there sure. was a saxophonist in the band. Yeah. And I talked to him afterwards. And I went and introduced myself at the break, and um, and he was a nice guy. We had studied yeah. with some of the same people. He's from Atlanta. Nice. And I remember asking him, I was like, oh, you're from Atlanta, me too. And I was like, oh, where do you teach, or do you have a studio? And he looked at me like I'd slapped his mother. And he's like, oh. no, man, I'm a pro. I gig for a living. That's my job. Yeah. And I thought, okay. Okay, that's um, cool. Go back to the tent and play Brick House. <laughs> I'm going to go eat mashed potatoes <laughs> and lead my mother-in-law in the, in the chicken dance. <laughs> And then the next morning, I'm going to wake up and teach six or eight saxophone students and make yeah. more money than that. And if that makes me not a pro, I don't care. Yeah. Um, so sometimes these things that are the bread and butter these days, they're not artistic. They're not the reason I picked up the instrument. Right. And if that's what you enjoy doing, by, that is by golly, yeah, do it. Absolutely. But I do want to let people know that if that's not what you want to do, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Weekends and evenings are, are kind of precious when you don't have to spend all of them gigging. Right. Yeah. And I know... We won't get specific, but we know people that have ruined relationships, ruined marriages, because they will never say no to a gig. And they have this fear, and I heard it said as, well, if you say no, the phone's going to quit ringing. Well, there's some truth to that. There is. And it is. (laughs) That is a risk. And I've started saying Uh, no more and more to the point where, yeah, yeah, and it does, the phone doesn't ring. And like, I think that's an okay, there are phases of life. Yeah, And I want my younger students to get this. These young college students, I want you to realize there are phases of life. Yeah. Gig all you want now. That doesn't mean you have to do it forever. And if the phone quits ringing for a couple years while you have young kids or a new marriage. I was just going to say, you might want to actually spend some time with your kids. Right. (laughs) Not be gone And that doesn't mean that you can't then reconnect. Right. But I have... Uh, friends and colleagues that have um, ended marriages because they can't say no. Yeah. And I I think we should be more choosy. Well, this music thing is kind of addictive. It is. (laughs) And we we buy into the culture. I also know people that think you have to go to the hang after the gig. Yeah. Or you have to go out and have drinks or you're not networking. And I think that's, life's too short. Live live (laughs) life your way. Say no to the gigs you want to say no to. Don't worry about where your money's coming from. If you love teaching 
or a day job at a nonprofit and then playing for free at night. Oh, yeah. I don't think you're any less of a I musician. I know some people who are lawyers and then they do music yeah. as their quote-unquote a vocation who play just as well as people right. who are and they get so much enjoyment out of it and because they don't have to worry about making right. money from it and paying the bills yeah. with I it. I think, yes. They're think, super interesting people. Yeah. That's another, yeah. we'll get that another hey, time. No, no, yeah. no. Yeah, no, but I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, Yeah. <laughs> I do want to get um, my students over the mindset of that, looking at the pie chart and seeing how much of your income comes from playing and defining your worth as a professional musician that way. I think it's a good way to have a nervous breakdown and ruin (laughs) relationships. Yeah, that and Facebook. So, And my mantra, oh gosh. We'll have another one on social media. Yeah, Yeah, I'll bring my therapist in and I'll I'll set up a third microphone for her. All right, Wally, what are we doing next? Next is time for... Mailbag. Yeah, let me open the... the Okay, wait, where is it? Oh, it's getting big. We got a lot of questions this week. We got a lot of questions. Okay, so... Hope we have any answers. Very apropos, uh, and the reason I sound plugged up this week. Uh, Brent from Greensboro. Yes. Brent is awesome. We both actually know Brent. He is a public school teacher. He teaches middle school band. Awesome saxophonist, cool dude. Yes. And he has a young one. Yes. And he writes, hey, Wally, love the podcast. You had me at love the podcast. Right. I've got a question that would be great for the two of you to address. It's that time of year where the germs are getting a lot of us instrumentalists, especially with a toddler bringing home all the germs. What are the methods saxophone players have to do after they get sick to make sure the instrument is not a breeding ground of bacteria again? How can we keep everything safe and sanitary to the best of our ability? Right. Thanks. Now. Great, Brent. That's a good one. Actually, that's a great question. Oh, it is. I mean, you can clean the mouthpiece, of course. Mm-hmm. You can clean the reeds. Yes. The ligature. But what about the body of the saxophone, Wally? Right. So I talked to uh, Dr. Erica Wallace. I see. A family practice physician, uh, was chief resident, uh, and then practiced urgent care at a Duke medicine facility. She's So she's okay. She's, she's pretty she's good at what she does. She's okay. knowledgeable. She also pays for my saxophone, so I do love her. Okay. Um, she said that <laughs> if it's viral... You're uh, not going to reinfect yourself because okay. you've built up antibodies. So viral, you're not going to reinfect yourself. Now viruses. So are, don't let your toddler daughter blow on your sacks yes. if you've been sick or right, but if, if they've you, been sick. You're not okay. going to reinfect. But she said, but still throw out your reads. And I said, why? Throw out your reads. And she said, and I quote, because it's gross. <laughs> and I'm not joking. That was chief, that was chief resident official. of family practice, Duke Medicine Urgent Care, <laughs> lead Duke. physician uh, that said, because, and I quote, Dr. Erica Wallace. <laughs> It's gross. It's gross. She said, but wait a minute. What if those are your like really best broken in well, reads? This is the problem I have with them. Like, I know. Oh, she said if it's yeah, bacterial. She's right. I'm sure she's If it's right. bacterial, it can be very, it can last a long time. And to especially if you're dealing time. with streptococcus bacteria. Oh. And she was uncomfortable with giving it a safe time frame, which basically said throw them out. Throw them out. Okay. So if you had strep or something bacterial, bacterial throw, throw out them your reeds, yeah. wash your mouthpiece in. With warm soapy water. Warm, she said it's fine. Peroxide or just warm soapy, warm soapy water? water. Okay. She said basically if it's good enough for a restaurant um, utensils. <laughs> then, that we're eating. Off. Right. Okay, so you okay don't well, have to, that's gross. <laughs> yeah, so warm soapy water. Be very okay. thorough, just like your hands. Okay. Throw out your reeds was the best advice. Um, I'm wow. sure there will be someone that will write us and like, oh, use a combination of hydrogen, you know. Yeah. It may be, work. Yeah. But right. especially if you're dealing with a serious bacterial infection, like yeah. streptococcus is nothing to mess around with. No, that you can don't take a chance. Big yeah. problems. So can you get that again then? A if bacterial? You, strep. Yeah, you, yeah, can, you can. Absolutely. You can reinfect yourself oh, if it's bacterial. See, that one year in high school yeah. when I was sick almost the whole year, I'm sure I was yep. reinfecting myself. Viral, you do oh. not. Viral, you build antibodies, but still gotcha. throw it out. Because here's the other thing. You may not know. You um, often don't know. Medicine is an art, not a science. And... 
you know, there are certain tests that can do for certain things. Okay. But maybe you think it's viral, maybe you think it's gold, and maybe there is a, a bacterial element. So right. throw away the reeds. Okay. Once you're over the cold, wash your mouthpiece, warm soapy water. Do not put it in the dishwasher. Young young children listening. No. no. Um, I know there's some parents out there that no. think, oh, gross, I'll put it in the dishwasher. No. That, that'll ruin it. Yeah, it's too hot. Yeah, it'll warp yeah. it. And yeah. we're dealing with micrometer differences in playing great and yeah, squeaking. Yeah, I know. So don't put it in the dishwasher. Warm soapy water for the mouthpiece. Right. Uh, let it dry thoroughly. Um, throw away your reeds and cry. Maybe give them a little ceremony. Go yeah. in the backyard, bury mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And say a few words. And then yeah. break, break in them a new reeds. Oh, wait, new condition. condition. Conditioning. Yeah. A new box. Of and reeds. that's it's come full circle. <laughs> How wise are we, Sue? We are so good. Yeah. So you have a question. I have uh, a question. Okay. Let's see. From Mark. Uh, Mark. Mark, where are you? Mark. Mark. Here. Did he say where he's from? I thought it was someone you knew. Mark. Yeah, but where is he now? I don't know where he is now. That's the thing with the the like online world. Yeah. You don't you could be anywhere. That's true. I put it tracking could be in devices, Malaysia. but oh, yeah. You do, okay. Yeah. Okay. Hi Sue. The question I had for the podcast is related to practicing overtones. Oh boy. I'm decent with being able to play the octave above. And the fifth above that, this is above the low note, right. like the B flat. But getting the second octave doesn't come out consistently. It's much more difficult when I use a classical mouthpiece. I use a Rousseau NC and previously used a Caravan compared to a jazz mouthpiece, Van Doren, Java, Jumbo Copy from CE Wins. Okay, so how can I best work towards getting these higher overtones to speak? Well, what's kind of cool about this is I had an adult student just two weeks ago, who was having exactly this trouble. We yeah. were working on overtone blowing, no trouble to get the octave, uh-huh. no trouble to get the octave in the fifth, couldn't get the second octave. Right. And so, well, the first point of advice is don't give up the first minute that you can't do it because, you know, it might take a little more effort. Keep trying. I already enrolled um, in an, an accounting course. I've given exactly. up. Yeah. That's it. Well, you know, that's not a bad idea either. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't give up. Keep trying. But also, so what worked with this student was just trying to pop out just anything higher. Right. Anything higher. Doesn't mean, doesn't matter if it's just one partial higher or five partials higher. Just try to squeak out something higher and then drop back down into that partial. And what happens if you just don't give up and don't care if you can't get that one, just try another one, is that you will, quote unquote, accidentally yeah. pop out something right. and like, oh, what did I do? And then you can work on 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 getting that, that second octave. So I would say... Keep yeah. trying and try for something even higher, even higher. and back down into yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. So how are they going to get higher? Oh. Biting? They should bite real hard, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Put your teeth on the reed. <laughs> don't, no, don't, no, don't do that, Mark. No, no, Mark, no, 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 no Don't do it. it. Yeah. Mm, and just uh, voicing even higher. The tongue can go even higher in the back of the yeah. mouth, right? Yeah. <laughs> that was a good sound. It was pretty good. <laughs> and there talk you have next. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So air velocity, think? I think air uh, velocity, yeah. which and comes direction. from yeah. the, tummy, the tummy, which means feel like you're doing a crunch, squeeze the abdominal, ab, ab, <clears throat> what word am I looking for? Abdominal. Yes. This cold is killing me. I can't say it. Ab, 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 like ab, abominable. Ab, ab, ab. Yeah. <laughs> squeeze the tummy. That'll force the air out faster. Absolutely. Um, but I, I like that advice. Just go for something higher. <laughs> yeah. Another trick is to finger the higher note normally. Yeah. So finger that. So say you're going for the second octave, F3. Yeah. Finger that high F. 
and then add your low B flat keys. The switch fingering is while holding it. See if you can get it. See there. if you can keep it. And That's another great. trick yeah. is have a friend that can do it sit next to you and play it. I found this weird voodoo thing that happens. I'll have students that can't get the note out, but if I play the overtone, yeah. not the finger note, but the actual overtone, yeah. something weird happens and then they can play it. Yeah, well, because they hear it and then they voice it, right? Maybe, but I've even had this as strange and I'm not uh. a believer in voodoo yet. <laughs> but even if they can sing it and play it normally, it's not until they hear it as an overtone. It's almost like it knocks it into their bell. It's, yeah, weird. it's weird. Yeah, But sitting next to it and just hearing the timbre of the overtone, I think, uh, yeah. kind of helps them with the forming that maybe subconsciously. Yeah. I don't know. But that's, that's well, that good advice. probably was part of what happened with my student because I was there uh-huh. with him playing uh-huh. it. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. magic. It's magic. Or so some, get somebody some to do acoustic it. acoustic phenomenon. <laughs> yeah, so find great players that you can model. All right, Sean from Indianapolis. Sean. Thank you for sharing your knowledge in your videos and podcasts. I've enjoyed learning from you. You're welcome. That's so and nice. Podcast- Did we have to send him a check for that? No, but, oh, I, but he's nice. already my new best friend. Uh, and Sean <laughs> is from Indianapolis. And he is a, a, a like a, a working player. He's been playing jazz Fantastic. for a long time. Uh, I'm curious if you have a chance, if you could please expand upon this idea more. Oh, I skipped a sentence. Uh, in your latest podcast, you mentioned you don't think overtones are the best way to teach altissimo. Uh, it was seeing if I could expand upon that. And I did say that, and it sounds counterintuitive, but we talk about altissimo. Everyone always says, grab your Sigurd Rasher top tones, learn overtones. And it's true, but here's my point. If you can play two, two and a half octaves on an overtone off low B flat, it feels very different than just fingering an altissimo note. The voicing is very different. Yeah. Um, so overtones teach us the voice. They teach us, you know, air velocity, direction. It, they do do those things. But I find the micro changes needed to learn altissimo are more subtle. And so I have a system that I use, Wally's Bridges to Success. Wally's and that's, Bridges to Success. And that's where we insert the theme music. That's not going to happen. Wow. So you start from a place of success. <laughs> And for a lot of people, that maybe that first kind of overtone feeling of front E, or first altissimo feeling, yeah. where the front E... Ear F, sometimes F is front, easier, yeah, whatever is easier. Yeah, front ear yep. F, start from a place that you can do that, using the front E or F fingering, until you can start that note cleanly with a good tone. And once you can, adjust your voicing, or the shape of your oral cavity, you're going to make different vowel sounds with your tongue. E, A, U, A, U, R. I like the syllable cool a lot when cool. I'm learning to get altissimo. Coo or care or hair. Here, These are here. really gross sounds, but yeah. they work. <laughs> then once you can get that front E focused and a beautiful tone, slur to F. And then once you get that, then fix the voicing. Hold that F lovingly. Change your <laughs> voicing until it's focused in a good tone. And then see if you can start on F. Right. And a lot of times you will find you can't articulate. So then go back to the E, slur up. Go back to the E, slur up and hold it. Back to the E, slur up and hold it. Until then you can really memorize the voicing. Yeah. Then start on F with a coup articulation. Yeah. Then from there, all you're doing is bridging higher and higher from a place of success. Yeah. So then the first kind of true altissimo note is front F sharp, where you figure right. front F, you add that side B flat key. Yeah. And that is way harder. It's than, way harder. Than yep. a lot of altissimo notes. In fact. So, Oh, I spend a lot of time with my students slurring from front F, adding that side B flat key. And they'll find you'll it'll go. Uh, yeah. Right. I'm not singing an F, so if you have perfect pitch, just Sorry. shut up. Yeah. <laughs> go feel smug somewhere else. But I find you have to adjust the voicing and air yeah. velocity to slur yeah. to that F sharp yep. by adding the side yep. B flat key. Then once you get it, hold it, bringing it into focus. Find the voicing where it resonates and is clear. Then see if you can start. See if you can start it. And if you F-sharp. can't, go back go to back. where you can. Yeah, Bridges from great. success. That's great. Trademark, Wally Wallace. From so you're success. always starting from a place of success rather than constantly trying to 
use a new finger. Yeah. Yeah, because then you're reinforcing when when the student starts doing that honk thing like five times, like stop, 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 because yeah. you are totally reinforcing what's not working. Right, like my wife always told me, stop dancing. Just <laughs> give it up, give Wally. it up. Like I don't want to see anymore. It's not getting better. Yeah, so you always start from a place of success, slur up to it until you can start on the next note, and yeah. just go chromatically up from there. Yeah. Uh, and in the beginning, I wouldn't worry too much about pitch. Worry more about resonance and tone quality. Tone, get a good tone. Yeah. We'll and figure then, out the pitch. Then you once you find that micro mechanism in the back of the tongue that lets you voice it, then you can make huge shifts in pitch. Oh, that's true, actually. Which is a tiny change. And yeah. we should talk about the front F trick at another time. Uh, okay, the we'll do that slide. another time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But so, so Sean, my, my advice is slurring up, then learning to articulate the new note. Yeah. Bridges from success or to success. <laughs> I don't know. I'll, work, I'll trademark from, it. From, yeah, from I'll, to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that'll be my new book. I'll sell for nineteen ninety five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's, if you have any questions for, for Sue and I, write Send us, them. email yeah. them. We love getting them. We love answering them. It's so fun. And yeah. we may even give you good information. <laughs> you can we'll, try. No promises. <laughs> and somebody will write back and yeah. be like, guys, none of that worked. Yeah. <laughs> try again. <laughs> so happy end of February, everyone. Oh, And we'll see you yay. in a couple weeks. And we'll see, see you, you soon. In, in March. Bye. Take care. Bye. <laughs>